fascinating facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. So glad to be with you on The Kale Clark Show. You can call this number right now, 888-914-9149. That's our studio line to talk to me for free, 888-914-9149. You can also email the program. The address is kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. We have a show account as well at Kale Clark Show. We even have one for the Faith Explained, at Faith Explained. But lots to get to today. really want to jump right in. Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, I'm back in Toronto now. I had a great time in Chi-Town with producer Jim, with Patrick Alog, and all the crew at Relevant Radio, Maggie Greshel. We had a great time. I sat in for Father Rocky on the Family Rosary Thursday, Friday. We had some some really good shows, some really great prayer requests. And I am happy to be with you once again for another week. And so I wanted to start off this particular episode by talking about how not to be a workaholic, according to St. Joseph the Worker. Now, I, I mean, there, we, we don't have many of the fine details of St. Joseph's life. I, I wish we had more. But what we do know, and he has never recorded his giving these speeches in Scripture, in the Gospels, but his actions speak so eloquently. He really is that righteous man, the epitome of righteousness. And he's talked about a lot, of course, in the Gospel of Matthew. And Matthew's Gospel is really the Gospel of righteousness. I saw this piece in, uh, in the Denver Catholic, and it was about this guy named Zachary Morgan. Now, Zachary Morgan was working hard, and he was doing the Lord's work, literally. He was working for the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis, in Minnesota. And, by the way, you don't have to be, of course, you don't have to work for the church, quote-unquote, to be doing the Lord's work. You, you can work for God wherever you are, as long as you're working in an honest profession. Uh, you're not Tony Soprano. Then you, you can sanctify that profession, and you can find God in it. And St. Joseph himself was a... In Greek, a tecton, that's what it says in the New Testament, and that it's not just a carpenter, he's more than a carpenter. It could mean somebody who's kind of a combination of an architect, uh, a skilled laborer, an engineer, all that kind of rolled into one. He did a lot of interesting stuff and had a lot of great skills and a lot of personal holiness as well. But anyway, so this guy, Zachary Morgan, he was working for the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis, and he was running the marriage program. And you can imagine in a fairly big urban center like that. He was dealing with a lot of different couples. So he was running the marriage prep program at the Cathedral of St. Paul. He worked with more than 500 couples. Can you imagine that? He would do all the paperwork for all these marriages. There's a lot of actual legal paperwork that has to be done. He would do the weekend retreats uh, for pre-marriage retreats for these couples. And he was personally there helping out with more than 300 weddings. And in his spare time, it doesn't look like he had too much, but in his spare time, he started up his own microbrewery. His own microbrewery. Now, I don't know, maybe he was brewing St. Joseph's Ale. I don't know, but he sounds like my kind of guy. So, at any rate, he was really, really busy. And the cathedral, he kind of got even more busy working there because there was a bit of a hiring freeze at the Archdiocese. So, he was asked to wear some other hats, including running the confirmation liturgies for... Uh, there were about 25 or 26 confirmations happening every year. Over 4,500 children going through the program every year. That's, that's a lot. But this guy, Zachary Morgan, he eventually just, he had a 
his, his body just couldn't take it. He had a minor heart attack, and he found himself in the hospital. Very providentially, his wife, Anne, happened to be a nurse, and she helped to get him there, and he wound up providentially once again at St. Joseph's Hospital. And at, I'm sure St. Joseph was interceding for this guy, not only to be healed of body and soul and mind. And anyways, a doctor came up to him at the hospital and asked this guy, Zachary Morgan, said, how, how many hours are you working every week? And he was saying, well, I work about somewhere between 80 to 110 hours a week. That's a lot. And then the, then the doc said, well, how many kids do you have? He said, I've got five with a sixth on the way. The doctor said, look, you're working 110 hours a week and you're going to have six kids on the go. You have to pick one. You either pick the job or pick your family, but you really can't have both. You're not going to be able to keep this up. Now, he wasn't suggesting quit your job or stop working necessarily. Of course, I don't retire, but he realized he needed to make some changes. This was unsustainable. And so Zach Morgan and his family, they moved to Mobile, Alabama. And he decided to sort of start up a new ministry called the, the Men of St. Joseph. And you can check out the website, menofstjoseph.com. And so before he started working with this group, they had sort of a little retreat of the staff. And he was asked to pray over his wife. And he said that's really when it actually hit him. He said, wow, I've been so consumed in work, even for a greater purpose. I was working literally for the church. I actually forgot that I had to do things like pray for my wife, pray over my wife. And so that was a real turning point for him. And so, yeah, we've got to get our priorities straight. And I think St. Joseph was really a master of this. And he was, he's known as the master of the interior life, the master of the interior life. That's what St. Jose Maria called him. And there, there's so many great examples of, of saints uh, in history that, that had their priorities right. Work is very important. We can sanctify our work. We can find God in our work. We can help others to find God through our work. But God himself has to come first. I remember the disgraced televangelist Jim Baker uh, years ago. I remember the PTL Club, Tammy Faye Baker. There's a recent movie that came out. I didn't see it, but Jessica Chastain played Tammy Faye Baker. Got a lot of rave reviews. I remember when his, when his scandal hit. One of the things he, he came out later with this, he went to prison and um, I know he's somehow back in televangelism now. I saw him on some, um, uh, on a, uh, I was just flipping through channels and I saw he had another show going recently. He's got a beard now, it looks a lot different, but at any rate, um, he wrote a book when he came out of prison. This would have been probably somewhere in the 90s, I'm thinking. And he, the book was called I Was Wrong. <laughs> and one of the things he said was, we were so busy doing God's work that we forgot about God. That's a chilling statement when you think about it. We were so busy doing God's work, we forgot about God. And so that, that's a temptation for all of us because we're all really working for God, hopefully, ultimately. And so we, we have to make our interior life come first. And that's I was so thankful last week uh, to be, uh, early last week, I was... Uh, at the retreat center called Shelbourne in Indiana and in Valparaiso, Indiana, the Valley of Paradise. That's what Valparaiso means. And it really was kind of a, a spiritual paradise for me. I, it had been so long because of COVID that I had done a retreat. And I told you guys a little bit about that last week that I didn't even realize how badly I needed it till I started doing it. And 
I really did. And so it was a silent retreat. It, it wasn't completely silent. You could talk to your spiritual director. You could go to confession with the priest and things like that. And at mealtimes, what did we do? It was a men's retreat. Did we all just kind of sit around looking at our plates? <laughs> no, we actually read a book together. And so we would kind of take turns. There was a book called St. Thomas More, A Portrait of Courage. Uh, the actual title is just Thomas More, A Portrait of Courage. It doesn't say St. Thomas More. But anyways, it was written by uh, Dr. Gerard Wegemer from the University of Dallas. And he's one of the experts on the life of St. Thomas More. And he was really a guy who lived that, that unity of life. That, that he was an inc- not only an incredible worker, he was an incredible professional. He was the best in the world at what he did, not only as a lawyer, as a thinker, eventually as a politician. And when he was martyred for the, for the Catholic faith, because he wouldn't go along with Henry VIII's plan to set himself up as the head of the church in England, and he wouldn't sign off on Henry's uh, divorce uh, to his lawful, lawfully wedded wife, who unfortunately wasn't able to bear him an heir, a male, a male heir, and he wanted to marry his mistress Anne Boleyn. We all know the story. And of course, there's that famous film and play, A Man for All Seasons. But uh, we, we took turns reading this book. So one guy would read up, get up during the meal, and he would read for a few minutes, and then somebody else would tag in, and the other guy could go back to his food. And that's what we did. We, we read through a lot of this book during our meal times, and I found it really, really intriguing. You'll have to pick up a copy. But St. Thomas More, he really put God first, and he, that's what he said we, in going to his martyrdom uh, before that. He said, I am the king's good servant, but God's first. Hey, I'm loyal to my boss as far as I can be until he starts breaking the law of God, and then the relationship changes. God has to come first. So God and then family. He was, he was known as such a great family man, and he had this really, really, especially wonderful relationship with his daughter, Meg. And he had his, his first wife passed away, unfortunately. He remarried. There was a lot of stuff in the book about that. He was a great friend. He was one of the great friends of all time. And so many guys out there are really dying for true, genuine friendships. And there's this sort of malaise that's infecting the culture called FDS, Friendship Deficit Oh, it's FDD. I messed it up myself. FDD, Friendship Deficit Disorder, especially affecting men who don't, a lot of guys just don't have a lot of true friends. They have guys that they party with. There's guys that they go bowling. I was going to say go bowling with. Who goes bowling? I guess bowling's still a thing. PBA and everything. But anyways, they go golfing with. Maybe Unfortunately, a lot of friendships revolve around, for a lot of men, drinking and chasing women. We're not, and, and, and not in a good way, you know, not pursuing marriage, if you know what I'm saying. And so Thomas More had, had a really, a number of really solid friendships, especially with this guy Erasmus, who was another intellectual uh, who he corresponded with, and they had a really, really solid friendship together. And then, of course, his family life, his work, everything was kind of all very, very integrated in the life of St. Thomas More. And, and so that's what I would imagine St. Joseph's life was like as well. And what's really interesting is that this, this guy, uh, Zach Morgan, who had this really, really busy job with the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis, had the heart attack, and then he starts this organization called the National Men of St. Joseph. One, one of the things that he was saying in, in this piece was that Joseph was, and I, I never really thought about this before, Joseph was not only a master of his craft, 
known as being an excellent worker. I'm sure he did amazing work. But how willing he was to leave it all behind when he fled to Egypt in order to protect Jesus. And that's something that we don't think about that much, that he had a professional life going, that he was willing to just punt for the sake of Jesus. Now, literally for the sake of Jesus, to protect Jesus. And of course, the, the Blessed Virgin as well. Had, they had to do it. I mean, Herod's on this murderous rampage. They had to go, but he had to start over again from scratch. It's not like he had LinkedIn and he could connect with all his old clients and say, hey, listen, can I do some remote work for you from Egypt, from Alexandria? Can we just, you know, come on. They've got pretty strong uh, fiber optic internet over here. I'm sure we can do some projects. No, he had to start from scratch all over again. And so th this is what we have to be sometimes willing to do as well. Professionally, professionally, we have to be willing to put Christ before our work. And, and that's that's really the only way we can put him in the middle of our work is to is to make sure that he's the priority. And so this guy, Zachary Morgan, was saying that, quote, if something is bad, and this is to do with our work, if something is necessarily bad, if it's going to cause danger, if it's going to cause a scandal, if it's going to damage your family, your religion, your wife or children, you have a duty not only to walk away, but actually to flee, to run, to take to your heels. He says, it's not a cowardly act, but an act of preservation. We see it in St. Joseph as he flees with the family to Egypt to make sure Christ can be known and loved. And sometimes, I, I've, I've known guys who have left their job or asked for a transfer to maybe another department because they had to work closely with somebody. That, now, some people might say this is really extreme, but there was, say, a female colleague in the office that they felt naturally attracted to. And they're like, I don't want this temptation. So I, I'm going to not ask to not work on this file or this project. I'm going to ask to be moved. It's a little bit like uh, Mike Pence. Remember Vice President Mike Pence? And he was kind of laughed at a lot in the media for this by following this sort of code of conduct where he strives never to be alone with a woman who's not his wife. And a lot of people said, oh, how can you do that? And I, I understand that there are a lot of practical impossibilities in, in a lot of jobs for that. But, but nonetheless, um, he was taken to task for that. And this reminds us a little bit about another Joseph, the Joseph in the book of Genesis, who ran away from his boss's wife, Potiphar's wife, who's making advances towards him. And he said, no way. He, he literally ran right out of his Technicolor dream coat. She tried to grab him. He ran right out of his coat and ran away naked. And she still accused him of wrongdoing, and he went to prison. You know the story. And, and this is what we have to do when it comes to temptations against purity. And we can really ask for St. Joseph's help in this to run, to take to your heels, to flee. It's, that's the brave thing to do in that case. To try to stand in there and face the temptation, I'm stronger than this, it's a recipe for disaster. Run away from it, run away. But that's not really what he's talking about here. This guy, Zach Morgan, was talking about Joseph running to Egypt with his family to protect the Christ. We have to sometimes run away from our work in a certain sense in order to preserve Christ in our lives, in our spiritual lives. Because workaholism can really creep in. And I think, and we've talked about this a little bit before in the past on the show, especially during the pandemic. Yeah, sure, there's, there are a lot of people who were working from home and maybe worked less than they did in the office and goofed off a lot, maybe. 
But for a lot of people, they were just on the clock 24-7 and they didn't know how or when or to shut it down. And they just felt like they're working more than ever before. And so, so yeah, it's important to work really hard and work well. But we also have to know where to draw the line with the boundaries. And so, I don't know, I, I can't imagine St. Joseph. I mean, again, we don't know very much. I wish we knew more details uh, about his day-to-day life. And it's a, it, was an, it was a different culture too in the first century as well work family life didn't have all the social distractions didn't have all the media distractions but i find it hard to believe that saint joseph would have been working 18 hour days and just neglecting the holy family oh oh jesus i haven't seen you in days you know i've been i've been on nose to the grindstone i've been on a business i i I highly doubt it i i I would like to think that he was living a very balanced life uh, between his interior life his work life and of course jesus is right there in the middle of his work life because he's working with them. He's, he's, he's apprenticing with Joseph in the shop. His life with, with Mary, the social life with their neighbors. I like to think he did some apostolate, shared the faith. I don't know. But it, it's, it's, it, we've got to really live life from the inside out. We've got to start with the interior life and then work our way outside to all of these activities that we have. So this is important, but the ultimate importance is, of course, God. And, and Jesus said that, too, in the, in the Gospels. He was talking to the Pharisees, and he said, look, it, this wasn't about dishwashing. All right? Clean the inside of the bowl, and the outside will also be clean as well. Uh, this isn't a talk about palm olive. This is, this is about the interior life. And so we, it, all of this stuff flows from, from the inside out. But, but here, here's the, kind of the, the money quote from this article that, that really struck me. When it comes to this concept of workaholism, this is what um, this is what Zachary Morgan said. He said, "Quote: Men have usurped the role of God in their lives by saying, I will provide.' Because deep down, they don't trust God to provide for them, and that's where the obsession with their job, their career, comes in." End of quote. Wow, that that's an eye-opening quote. Because we know that, especially as men, that, that God has called us to provide for our families, to protect our families, as St. Joseph did for his family. And of course, a, a lot of moms are working as well, no question. But, but this idea of workaholism, this is, this is really an interesting insight, that deep down, if you're a workaholic, if you're having trouble uh, living that balanced life, it could be, it could be because you don't trust that God will provide for your needs. If you rearrange your priorities, if you try to get them in order, think, I've got to do this all myself. It's all on me. It's all on my shoulders. I've got to pull these extra hours. I've got to do, take every overtime shift that they'll give me. And sometimes that betrays, it's certainly industrious, no question, but it can betray a lack of trust in God. That's an interesting thought. And it really kind of struck me. So so on this feast day of St. Joseph the Worker, it's, it's a really good question to ask ourselves. Are, are we working well? Hopefully, yes. But also, are we? do we have the priorities right? If work is our number one priority, we, we don't have it right. We've got it wrong. God has to come first. God, our family, our work, our friendships. But it's all got to be very balanced. Easier said than done, I know, which is why we have to pray, which is why we have to work on this. We have to keep asking God for light and for strength. You're listening to The K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888 Nine one four nine. Hey, just we got to take a little break here. But right after the break, I'm going to be 
sharing with you an intriguing piece that I read, which is kind of shocking to me in some ways, about how Latino Catholics are leaving the church in droves. This is something that surprised me a little bit, but not too much. And I'll tell you more about this, and maybe you'll have a take on it too. 888-914-9149 is the phone number to call, 888-914-9149. Be right back. Facts and fun. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Have a question? Give Kale a call at 888-914-9149. That's right. 888-914-9149 is the number to call to talk to me. And I want to also remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. And you can also email the program. If you have any show ideas, articles of interest that you came across, and I bet you Kale would have a take on this. You can send it to Kale, C-A-L-E, at Relevant Radio. Dot com And a friend of mine actually flipped me an article from the Washington Post, which just came out. <clears throat> it's about how Latinos are leaving the Catholic Church in droves. And not, not just the Catholic Church, but uh, other Latinos who are involved in other faiths. They're leaving their faiths as well. And so kind of this is an article that was written by Sylvia Foster Frau and Rachel, uh, very long name, but Rachel Hatsi Panagos. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, Sylvia and Rachel, let's just call them Sylvia and Rachel. Anyway, so they, they kind of collaborated on this piece for the Washington Post. And they started off by talking about um, a Mexican-American woman named Arlene Rios, who, quote-unquote, came out of the closet in 2016. Now, now, don't get me wrong, she didn't come out of the closet in that way. She came out to her family and friends by saying, I'm not Catholic anymore, I'm actually an atheist. And people didn't take it very well. People didn't take it very well. Her, a lot of her friends are no longer her friends, at least on Facebook. Anyways, they unfriended her. Her parents, who remained very religious, were incredibly worried about her. Her sister stopped talking to her for months, for months. And uh, Arlene Rios was quoted in the article as saying, that was so heartbreaking, I cried for three days, end of quote. By the way, that, that's not how to do it. If you have a friend or family member who has said, I, I'm now an atheist, I've left the church, don't, don't stop talking to them. Uh, don't shut them out. They, they probably need your help even more than ever before. So keep praying for them. Keep the lines of conversation open. In my opinion, ghosting them is not going to get them to come back into the church. I could be wrong, but I, I don't think it's going to work. 888 nine one four nine and so it's it's not just it's not just latinos who are leaving the church in droves other groups are as well it's a it's an american problem it's a it's a western problem but a lot of people find it even more surprising because of the traditional ties uh, between latinos and latino culture and and the catholic church but here's some some stats from uh, from the piece in the washington post 30% of Latino adults are not religiously affiliated. Now, that's a big increase because back in 2010, the last time they checked this, it was only 10% of Latinos who weren't involved with religion. So that's in 13 years, it's gone up, you know, three, you know, twofold. It's it's gone up from 10% to 30%. So uh, that's threefold, not twofold. I mentioned I was sick the day they taught math at school. Anyways, so this is from the Pew Research Center. 
And uh, they're, they're very highly respected for doing this kind of research. And it's even worse, as you might expect, between when it comes to young Latinos, between the ages of 18 and 29. Um, and if Latinos who are born in the United States are half as likely to belong to a church than Latinos who are immigrants to the United States. So this is what they call in the article the quote-unquote Americanization of, La of the Latino community as it's exposed to a more diverse set of religious identities. And, and all of this kind of squares with what I've seen in other data sets and other articles about other groups and just American society in general. It seems like the second generation of immigrants... If they, if, if, if they immigrate to the United States from a Catholic country or a predominantly Catholic country, for example, Mexico, let's say, or Argentina or where, wherever, it seems like the second generation of immigrants have way, way less affiliation with the church. Uh, Filipino immigrants, uh, my wife comes from a Filipino background. Her parents uh, were born in Manila, but she was born in North America. She was born in Toronto. But we see this even, we were at a family gathering this weekend, we, we see this where the second generation is completely abandoning the faith. Completely, it, it's sort of a, a very, very loose cultural connection. So I don't think it's, it's just the Latino culture. I think it's just what happens in America in general. It's just people get, they sort of imbibe the secular mindset. So here, here's a question for you. If you do come from a Latino background or perhaps another group or your parents immigrated from a predominantly Catholic country, do you see this happening among your friends? If you're practicing your faith, are you seeing your friends kind of abandon your, their faith? And maybe if you're a parent out there, did, did you come to the United States thinking that this would be a land of promise in terms of practicing the faith? And did you find to come that maybe... Did you come to find that maybe it's more like Babylon than we thought? You know, it's it's this is not conducive to our faith. I'd love to hear from you. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. So yeah, the the Pew Research uh, Foundation found out that Latinos' religious affiliation looks very much the same as the average U.S. adult. In other words, you know, in large part not practicing, not practicing at all. So in twenty ten. Again, last time they did this study, 67% of Latinos in the U.S. considered themselves to be Catholic. It's only 43% now. Now, that's still higher than the U.S. adult reportage in, in general. It's still twice as many as overall U.S. adults would report. But for every one Latino adult who joined the Catholic Church, 23 left. So that's, wow, that's, that's, a, that's attrition. I mean, bleeding Catholics in the Latino community. So... I don't know. It, it just seems like religion is not playing as large of a role in the fabric of American life as it used to. There's so many reasons why this is probably happening. So this, it's really, really, really important that we have relevant radio on the airwaves to bring Christ to the world through the media because there needs to be more catechesis. There needs to be. Um, it's got to be more than just a, a, a cultural connection. It's got to be based on truth. Let's go to the phones right now. Let's go to James in Walnut, California. And just before we take James's call, I just want to give out that phone number once again for you, 888-914-9149, toll-free, 888-914-9149. Let's go to James in Walnut, California. Hi, James. Hi. How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. What's your take? 
well, I just wanted to give you guys some good news and also ask for some prayers. Um, one of my coworkers that I became good friends with, he's a Latino or Hispanic descent. Mm-hmm. And I know we talked about God before, and but in a more general or surface level, uh, I'm Catholic, and I didn't know he was Catholic, but maybe about two months ago, he approached me in the middle of our work shift, and he told me, hey, man, um, I'm going back to church for the first time in several years. And I was like, oh, okay, awesome. cool. Uh, well, what church is this? Oh, it's uh, St. I forgot what church he said, but it's St. whatever, and it's over in this city, and it's a Catholic church, so we'll be going to Mass for the first time. I was like, oh, wow. Uh, so it's just amazing to hear that uh, uh, there's a fellow Catholic at work, and then yeah. he's going back the first time. Um, and then I saw him about a week later, or maybe two weeks, because, you know, life got busy. And he said, uh, so I asked him, hey, so how was the service? And he said, coming from his mouth, oh, the Mass is wonderful, but the priest homily was a little hard or a little difficult to understand. So he went to another mass. <laughs> so mm. he went to two mass on the same uh, Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not necessary, but <laughs> but that's uh, that's interesting. Hey, James, I, I appreciate the call. And yeah, finding out they had a coworker who was, who was Catholic was kind of rediscovering their faith. That, that's great. And there are a lot of undercover Catholics out there, if you will. And sometimes they don't know that they're not the only one and it's 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 always kind of a fun feeling when you discover somebody else who's living their faith or trying to live their faith as best they can. Who knows? Maybe see a relevant radio bumper sticker on their car and say, hey, what do you think about this? I'm in. I'm in. All right. So let's go now to, thanks for that call, James. Let's go back to the phones, 888-914-9149. Let's go to Beverly in Orange, California. We're going to stay on the West Coast. Hi, Beverly. Hi. Um, it's so interesting that I just happened to get in my car and happened to have the radio station on. I think my husband left it on the station and (laughs) my husband and I are practicing. We're practicing Catholic. We're, we're Mexican descent, but we're my daughter's fourth generation American. So Mm -hmm. we're native Californians. She was raised Catholic. She went to Catholic school all her life. And now she's 27 and decided that she got a divorce. And after she went to confession Mm -hmm. about the divorce, she was turned off by what the priest said. Um, also now she's dating a young man who's a Southern Baptist and he has, I'm I'm actually glad that she's still thinking about God in her heart, but she doesn't agree with the Catholic church. And for several reasons, one being that she feels that uh, priests have no clue what it's like to be married and divorced. Therefore priests should be married. She thinks there's something wrong with a lot of priests mentally. Um, so that turns her off to she feels that uh, she is she's for abortion for other people. Now hmm. she says I wouldn't have an abortion, but because my daughter works in politics up in Washington D.C. and that's what she studied in college, changed her attitude yeah. about abortion and feels that um, the, the church nor the government has the right to dictate to a woman how she should treat her body. And I understand that, but at the same time. She has to know that this is not what our church advocates is for mm-hmm. abortion. So that's another turnoff for her. Um, and then the last thing is that she feels that when she goes to church, it's just all uh, repetition. It's just same old thing. 
and they don't really mm-hmm. sit down and open the Bible to discuss, okay, I don't understand this gospel today. Let's dig into it right here at Mass. He says, all they do is just read it, and if you're lucky, you get a great priest who's going to describe or give a good homily. She says, then we're lucky. But most of the times, it's not always that way. So she's been really turned off, and so she's been going to a um, non-denominational church for Bible mm-hmm. study, just for Bible study. She's still going to church with, she's still going to Mass with my husband and me, but I can tell she's not comfortable anymore. And, and that really hurts me a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah, I can imagine it does, Beverly. And we'll, we'll definitely pray for your daughter. I don't know if you want to mention her name at all, but uh, we'd be happy to pray for her. And uh, um, that's, yeah, it, it's interesting that you're saying all this stuff because, well, the, the good thing is she hasn't rejected religion period, which is good. She's got this new relationship, and I mean, I don't know what the status of her, uh, you know, canonically, I'm assuming that she's still still married um, to her husband. They're now divorced and stuff like that. And it's interesting because this article in the, in the Washington Post interviewed another gal who'd also left uh, the church, and um, she's in politics as well, in, in, interestingly enough. And, and her journey away from Catholicism started with her divorce. And she just... She just could not reconcile this, and she she had some kind of this person in the uh, who was interviewed in in the article had some maybe misguided notions, thinking that the church wants women to stay in abusive relationships. No, no, no. Uh, you need to get a separation. You need to have some some space there. If it's an unsafe situation and it's a dangerous situation, the church is not saying stay in a situation like that. But in terms of the validity of the marriage, that's another another question altogether. And um, this isn't necessarily a show about annulments, but of course, a, a valid marriage is valid uh, until death. And um, so anyways, having said that, having said that, um, a lot of times when people do leave the church, it's not because of a theological issue. It's because of a moral issue. It's because of a relationship issue. It's because of, there's another woman who was interviewed uh, in the Washington Post piece who tragically uh, suffered abuse, uh, clerical abuse, and obviously the, the great scandals in that field uh, have been not exactly motives of credibility for people concerning the church. So that that has been an issue as well. And so, yeah, I, I'm hopeful that you know God God is not finished with her by any stretch of the imagination, and God always plays the long game. I mean, I think about my years outside of the church when I was in Protestant ministry. I had left the church, and I never would have imagined I'd find my way back into the Catholic Church, but it can happen. It can happen. So keep praying and keep praying for people to uh, come into her life. And, and I, I can feel your pain as a mom, too, that uh, Beverly is, is, you know, other parents who are out there have gone through it or listening as well. And I'm just going to ask everybody to pray for you and, and, and for your daughter as well. But thank you so much for calling, Beverly. And uh, please do call back, and especially if you have updates on the situation. Uh, that'd be great. You're listening to the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. Let's go to Patty in San Diego. Hi, Patty. Hi, how are you? I'm very well. Very well, thank you. I'm trying to take it off speaker. Okay. Well, you know, I was listening to what you were saying about how um, people are leaving in droves, especially in the second generation of immigrants. And I think that part of it is because we live in such a heterogeneous society where everyone's so different. Everyone even makes up their beliefs. You know, everything mm. is relative. And so there's not enough support. It's kind of like 
you know, there's not a, a single path for the flock mm-hmm. to follow. So the flock just, just scatters everywhere. Mm. You know, even, um, you know, in, in my own family. Oh, that co- <laughs> Sorry. No, no um, problem. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult when you, you start seeing that, oh, relatives no longer practice and your friends don't practice mm-hmm. and, you know, your teachers, people in your community don't practice. Whereas I'm thinking of like some small towns in Mexico, they have huge um, festivals for different saints, you know, and mm-hmm. so everybody yeah. goes to the same church. Everybody's doing the same thing. Baptisms, first communions, weddings, all of those. Not to say that everybody's Saintly either, you know. Sometimes, mm. you know, those feasts are reasons to have a party. But from what I've seen, you know, the most humble people, the ones that need God the most, or you know, they don't, you know, the the ones that have material things don't realize that mm-hmm. they may need God even more yeah. than the most humble. You know. Yeah. No. And and, and great point, Patty, about the how you know. The, they're, they're just having people around you who share that faith is such an encouragement for you on so many different levels. We just even have the same worldview in general um, because it, it can it can kind of have the effect of keeping you on on track. And um, the optionality, the 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 plethora of different worldviews that are out there the kind of glasses through which you can see the world, it's, it's dizzying and there seems to be more options added every day. And, oh man, it's just, I reminded of, um, I I used to love to do ministry with, um, with university students. And I remember one of the big universities in the Toronto area has a student center. And I remember the Catholic student chaplaincy, which I would go to and meet with students. I had to walk down this hall and I had to pass through every other possible group under the sun. There were Wiccans, there were, uh, all the various Protestant groups, uh, uh, Islamic student group outreach, um, paganism, um, obviously, you know, LGBTQ plus stuff, all of these things, all of these different worldviews competing for people's attention, especially at a time in people's lives when they're, you know, very susceptible and they're, they're looking for truth and looking for answers in a lot of cases. And at the very end of the hall, there was the Catholic chapel with, of course, Christ in the Eucharist right in the center. And so, man, that, that's the answer right there. He's the answer. And, yeah, that common ground it isn't always there. Patty, really appreciate that call in San Diego. Got to take a quick break right now. But if you're on the line, Dee, stay there. I see you, Brian. Everybody else is on the line, 888-914-9149. I want to hear your takes on this. We'll be right back on the K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio. mind off traffic and on the more important things in life. It's Kale Clark on Relevant Radio. Hey, welcome back to the program, 888-914-9149. Just shared an article in the Washington Post about how Latinos are leaving the Catholic Church in drove. Really not much different than any other group in American society. It seems like, especially the second generation, once you know, families have had, immigrant families have had some time uh, in the culture, the second generation starts to walk away a little bit. Uh, what do you guys think about this? Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Let's go to the Valley of the Sun in Pahonix. It's 
really actually Phoenix. Didi, and I knew that, I knew that. Didi and Phoenix, great to have you back. How you doing? Hi, Kale. Uh, well, it's been, I'm it's been too uh, long. getting a little hot here. <laughs> so anyway, uh, well, let me tell you what happened to me. Okay. Uh, I'm Latina, mm-hmm. and uh, my great-grandparents were from Mexico. Mm-hmm. And what happened to me is once they passed away, mm-hmm. I lost uh, a strong, fierce uh, feeling, spiritual feeling for, for Catholicism, for the church. It just kind of disappeared. Yeah. And when you don't have that, if, if you don't see that, and if uh, the old generation of, Catholic, of Catholics uh, encourage you or, or show you the love that the Church has to offer, you kind of get lost, uh, especially if you go to the university. Mm-hmm. That tends to be secular. Yep. And that's exactly what happened to me. But I'm back now. I came back. Thank God. And I, it, it took me a long time to realize, well, what happened? It's, it's just like all of a sudden it came to a screeching halt. It's because mm-hmm. I lost my grandmother, who was a fierce Catholic. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, Dee Dee, oh, your experiences. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I think your experiences are are very common. I think a lot of people. I, I keep hearing again and again and again. Whenever somebody comes back to the faith, or they're it's it's very often a grandparent who's involved, not so much the parent, and and that's interesting. And, and I don't know whether there's kind of a very often a failure of catechesis in terms of passing on the faith to the next generation, but but I think a lot of people when when their grandparents, their generation passes away, that's really a, a clean break for a lot of families with the faith in general, and it just becomes very very tenuous at best. But of course, God can overcome any of it, and uh, so glad that you are back. In the church, Dee Dee, and I'm glad you called again. It's been a while since you called here on the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. Let's go now to Yolanda in New Jersey. Hi, Yolanda. Hi, Kale. Thank you for taking my call. Sure thing. Um, I am Puerto Rican, mm-hmm. and my parents, um, you know, their love for God was tremendous. And they mm-hmm. did, they instilled that in me. Um I have a great husband. He's a deacon. Um, we have a lovely daughter. And wow. um, I really do believe prayer is big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you go before that blessed sacrament and you pray. And you pray that your, your child, your family, stays on course with God's plan and his path. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, find, I find myself... Um, very grateful because I know my parents prayed. They yeah. prayed for me and my my siblings. Yeah, that's a, that makes a tremendous difference, Yolanda. And, and praying for your children, praying, you know, asking their guardian angels to protect them and help them, it is so so important. And yeah, I mean, you can lay the foundation as best you can. And a lot of parents beat themselves up if their kids do walk away from the faith. It's not always their fault not always their fault um we know a number of families who have a lot of a lot of kids and there's always one kid who kind of walked off and it's not necessarily the parent's fault because they do have free will and but just praying the power of a praying parent is incredibly important uh, throughout one's life and it really never stops <laughs> your kids can be adults they can be married themselves and and you're still going to pray for them there's no question about that and and thank you so much for calling in yolanda good to hear from you and call 
Call back anytime, 888-914-9149. We're now going to go down to Houston, Texas. Rosalinda is on the line. Welcome to the program. How are you? Well, well, thank you. Thank you. I'm very, my first time calling. And the reason I was calling is Mm -hmm. because I am uh, a senior citizen and I am Latina. And we were what we would call occasional Catholics Mm -hmm. for, uh, you know, for whatever holiday was on, you know? Yeah, sure. But but we did our, our First Communion, our baptism, everything confirmation, the whole thing in, uh, you know, in the churches. And that was my foundation as a child. Mm-hmm. But then as I uh, got older, you know, yes, just like a lot of, uh, uh, of us, we get, we get away. But you know what? My mother did the same thing. And I noticed when she was in her 60s and so on, she came back to the church. And we watched how she did it. And actually, all of us, and there was nine of us, we all did the same thing. A lot of us got away from the church, mm-hmm. but we all started coming back now, in our it, older age. What made you come back? Like, why do you think there, people are coming back in their older age? Foundation was, is still mm-hmm. there, the comfort. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I feel a certain peace and happiness now going to, to church. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's, and I think it's because I'm not working anymore. I'm, I'm retired, and I'm having more time to be introspective of yeah. what life means to yeah. me and my children and I, my grandchildren. They mm-hmm. need the church. That's the way I look at it now. Mm-hmm. And yes, so that's what I'm saying. Yeah, we're coming back because I've noticed that with some of my uh, siblings. Oh. Not all of us. About half of us have, have come back. Well, Rosalinda, let's let's pray for those siblings. And, and it's an interesting phenomenon that you mentioned. Thanks so much for calling in. First-time caller, great to hear from first-time callers. And that's intriguing. Yeah, maybe the pressures of the workplace. We talked about uh, overworking and how that can get in the way sometimes. People can, can misprioritize their lives. Uh, just being out of the workforce, again, gives you that maybe space to think about spiritual things once again. And and if you have that Catholic foundation, it's so easy for someone to come back. That's a great thing. If you, if you are Catholic, you're one good confession away. If you've been away from the church for a long time, uh, from being right back in a state of grace, you know, assuming, assuming there are some mortal sins involved. I'm not necessarily assuming that for everybody, but you, you get the point. Uh, this is the drama of life. We're also one heartbeat away from meeting God. So uh, it's important to not put that off as well, and that, that's really important to think about, too. Let's go to Jose in San Benito, Texas. Welcome back, Jose. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you, Kel. Um, Kel, so I just, I think we just lost a friend of mine who, who I think he's doubting in the faith. Okay. Um, okay. I'm going to have, I'm going to have, I'm going to have to talk with him. So please, if you can pray for me, and sure. the listeners, if you can pray for me so that they can, sure. I can have a, you know, a good talk with him, and I can actually, you know, help him come back to the truth, right? Mm, um, yeah. he, he seemed he, he seemed to be a, good, a Catholic, right? But I'm not sure if he was a good Catholic. He was really into freedom for LGBTs and uh, not freedom, but you know, you know, you know, all those uh, liberal ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe he got tired of uh, being in the middle, I guess. Mm. And uh, he made a comment about not believing in the saying something like that. So I need to talk to him and. Uh, 
I hope I can bring him back. Yeah, well, that's great. What's his name? Uh, Hiram. Okay, and uh, we'll certainly pray for him and ask our listeners to do that as well. And yeah, it, it, the culture can really just, it's why it's so important to get formation in the faith. Uh, because there's so much deformation that the culture offers up, and it's like waves crashing against the shore, right? It can really, the, the most craggy rock, you know, will become smooth after after a while. And so you have to counteract that because we don't just kind of flatline in the spiritual life. We're always kind of either getting better or getting worse, right? And sometimes it fluctuates, like the stock market. Think about the graph of a, of a stock. It might fluctuate a little bit, go up and down, but hopefully we're always on an upward trajectory for sure. Let's go really quickly to Maria in Los Angeles. Hi, Maria. Hi, how are you? I'm very well. We've got about a minute, good, so let's, uh, let's, if you could uh, be brief, that'd be good. <laughs> be brief. <laughs> yeah, I was just calling because uh, I'm driving home with my daughter and mm. I explained to her that she's a second generation immigrant and I'm mm-hmm. seeing that a lot of her cousins, my nieces and nephews, even my own siblings to a certain degree, um, they definitely have let the culture, the busyness of today's world, keep them away from going to Mass, where we were raised praying the rosary every day, going to Mass every Sunday, and uh, participating in holiday activities um, in Lent and Advent at church. All of a sudden, you know, we're too busy yeah. to even go to Mass on Sundays. And I told her, this is your responsibility. You were, you're part of that second-generation um, immigrant family that you need to make sure that you're the exception to the rule. You cannot allow this to happen because it's basically yeah. opening up the gateway to the enemy and you need to be that force that he's going to be reckoned with because at the end of the day, if you don't stand up for your values, for your religion and be an example to your peers, it, this is just going to keep going downhill. And it's very sad and very unfortunate. Yeah, Maria, that's uh, that's so important. Yeah, absolutely. You got to take a stand. Uh, it, it's a trite saying, but if you don't take a stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And yeah, just being that leader among one's peers, tough for, for young people to do, but essential, essential as well. This has been the Kale Clark Show. Jim Shaper produced. Patrick Kalek took your phone call. It's been a great hour. Stay tuned for Timory, followed by the Family Rosary Across America. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.